Hello and welcome to episode number 16 of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Chris Tripodi of DraftAnalyst.com with Tony Pauline as always. And Tony, we finally made it. The college football playoff games are here, and we have two exciting semifinal matchups to break down on today's show. And we got two teams that we figured were going to be in it, in Alabama and Clemson. Two teams we didn't think we could be in it, Notre Dame and Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma was able to squeak in at the very end. Notre Dame played well all season. No Ohio State in this uh, Final Four, which is a big surprise to a lot of people. But the Alabama and Clemson, I I think we all knew that was going to come to fruition. And and I think we're going to be talking about them a week from now. And there's also no Georgia, which, you know, a lot of people are uh, upset about simply because they lost in the SEC championship game. And people are saying, well, that's why they're not in the game. In the end, there's three undefeated teams. Georgia had two losses. Oklahoma only had one. These teams are all worthy. There's plenty of discussion for the future, about 18 playoffs, so that we can stop worrying about all this. But then you'll get people complaining about who number nine and number 10 is and how they should be in. So it's one of those things that'll never end. But I think eventually we do probably end up seeing an 18 playoff. Well, you know, I got to tell you, from my point of view, I, I hope we don't. I just see no merit in trying to change the college game and make it more like the pro game. I don't see there's any value in that just to basically satisfy a larger playoff and then blow up some of the uh, other bowl games. And, you know, I stated this before with Fran Duffy during the uh, Journey to the Draft podcast. You know, if you have more teams to the playoff, that's going to be more playoff games. And you're talking about 19, 20, 20 20-year-old kids who basically are restricted by the NCAA as to they can't get a, a ride in a golf cart across campus. They can't sell their own personal belongings if it's team memorabilia, yet you want them to play more games, which is going to be more wear and tear on their body and more potential damage to their next level possibilities or next level earnings. They can't do that. But the NC2A and all these teams are going to make tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars off of these extra playoff games while these kids are on the on the field playing. And some of them can't even eat right. I mean, some of them don't have enough money to eat when the training table at, at campus is, is closed. So I just hope it doesn't come to that. I think it's wrong for a variety of reasons just to say, you know, well, Georgia should have been in or this team should have been in. We're going to expand the playoffs. Listen, Georgia, as well as Oklahoma, knew going into that weekend, the only chance that they had to make the Final Four was to win the game. Oklahoma came behind from Texas to win their Big 12 championship. Georgia, once again, led the game for three and a half quarters and just couldn't finish off Alabama. That's the way the ball bounces. I mean, would have liked to seen Georgia basically uh, finish them out, but they couldn't. And, you know, how many times in the past have we seen the best two teams in the NFL weren't playing in the Super Bowl. They were playing in either the NFC title game or the AFC title game. All those years when Peyton Manning was battling Tom Brady and the Patriots were battling the Colts. That's the way it happens. I really hope they don't expand the playoffs primarily because I don't find a lot of merit in trying to change the college game to make it more like the NFL. Yeah, and Georgia definitely had its opportunities in that game. They were up late. They were up the whole time. They couldn't contain Jalen Hurts at the end, and they couldn't seal a victory and, and seal a, an easy path into the top four here. Obviously, we can wax poetic and go on forever about all the other issues in terms of you know monetary things and sponsorship and, and the rights college players don't have. We'll leave that for another time. We could go on and on forever there. For now, we'll move on to the first of Saturday's semifinals, and that's the Cotton Bowl where we have undefeated Clemson and undefeated Notre Dame, 4 p.m. at AT AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Now, the big news heading into this one is the suspension of three Clemson players, including stud defensive tackle Dexter Lawrence. At the time of this recording, we're still waiting on the B sample 
for Dexter Lawrence to see if that can kind of get cleared and then he would be able to play in the game. It seems unlikely, so Lawrence probably isn't going to play, but we don't have all the information at this exact moment. Still waiting on that B sample. We actually might hear on that today or sometime soon. But in the meantime, the rest of the Tigers' defense is still intact, and it's obviously a dominating unit. Tony, discuss some of the impact players along the Clemson defensive line. Well, let's go with Dexter Lawrence. I mean, that's just stupid. A guy, The guy is as big as him. Why is he taking uh, heads rather than just improving his game? And this could be an opening for Albert Huggins, the other defensive tackle who we've spoken about a couple times on this podcast. He's the guy who I grade as a third, fourth round prospect. He was given a fourth round grade by scouts coming in. He doesn't get a lot of playing time because of the enormous amount of talent on that Clemson defensive line. But he's a better football player than Dexter Lawrence. He may not have the size. He may not have the power. He may not be as good of an NFL prospect because he doesn't have the same upside. But when you look at him as a football player, he's a better football player than Albert Huggins. He's a guy who does a better job playing with mechanics. He keeps his pads low to the ground. He's explosive. He plays hard in every down. He's more apt making plays behind the line of scrimmage where Dexter Lawrence is a guy who occupies blocks and collapses the pocket with his power. But from a fundamental point of view, people are going to say, well, this is a huge loss for uh, Clemson if Dexter Lawrence cannot play. And as you said, we don't know that yet. In my opinion, I disagree. Yeah, maybe it's a notch down, but Albert Huggins is an outstanding college defensive lineman who's going to be a very good pro once he gets to the next level next fall. As far as the other guys, Cleland Farrell, we've talked about him a number of times. I think he's a top five pick. If we project the draft out now, I think he's the guy who could be the answer to the New York Jets pass rushing problems. Terrific athlete, very explosive, can come out of a three-point stance, can stand over tackle. Not just a guy who makes plays up the field in the backfield, but a guy who can change direction get out to the sidelines, make the tackle in space. Christian Wilkins, just a tremendous combination of size at 6'3 and a half, 314 pounds. Athleticism, he's probably going to run under five at the combine. A guy who, when he's on his game, can stop the run, can rush the passer, can go laterally, get out and make plays in pursuit. Really a top-notch defensive lineman. Austin Bryant, their other defensive end, who came into the season with a first-round grade, really has had a difficult year this year, did not live up to expectations. I have him graded right now as a third-rounder. There are some people who told me that they believe he is a last-day prospect because his game has fallen off. So many defensive prospects in this game. Continuing on with Clemson, Trayvon Mullen, the cornerback, who I grade as a potential late first-rounder right now. You stay with Clemson. Isaiah Simmons, their safety outside linebacker, who's a second-day selection. You look at Notre Dame. Jerry Tillery, who we've spoken about multiple times on this podcast, a guy who was having a career campaign, came into the season with a third-round grade from scouts. I right now grade him as a second-rounder. I think he is a first-round prospect, but I think because there's so much talent in next year's draft or the 2019 draft on the defensive line, a guy like Tillery may basically be on the outside looking in when the first round is over. Julian Love, the cornerback from Notre Dame, who we've reported on this podcast multiple times, is going to enter the draft, a terrific shutdown corner, a guy who's got outstanding ball skills, really good speed. Question about Julian Love, how big is he? How tall is he? I've got him at five foot 10, 188 pounds. I also have him with a second round grade. There are some teams if a cornerback is not six foot tall, they're not going to take him with the first 40 picks. Adoree Jackson was sort of the exception to the rule. Julian Love, I believe, is as good a defensive back, as good 
a cornerback is Adoree Jackson just doesn't bring those return skills that Adoree Jackson has. Tavon Coney of Notre Dame, a guy who entered the season graded as a street free agent by scouts. Presently, I have a third round grade on him. A three down linebacker, a guy who's got great instincts, a terrific run defender who also shows ability and coverage, really improved his ball skills this year, either in man-to-man or in zone. Doesn't have the greatest size, but is a terrific football player. And there are a host of guys who we could basically go on for this podcast for an hour and talk about. Right now on my board, we've got 14 players that grade as top 100 picks in this game, a total of 23 draftable players. Yeah, there is a ton of talent here, and, and most of it, as we've kind of alluded to here, is on the defensive side, and it's not just the Clemson team. You mentioned Tillery, a quick, explosive interior lineman, eight sacks this season. I think he had five and a half coming into the year, really took off after that opening game against Michigan, never slowed down. Another guy who also played well against Michigan and kept his momentum going was defensive end Khalid Kareem, eight tackles, one and a half for loss, and one sack in that opener against the Wolverines. He nearly doubled his production from his sophomore season into this year. You mentioned Coney, definitely a guy with top-notch instincts, doesn't really have elite size or elite speed, may not test out that well, but he's a guy when you turn on the tape, he's everywhere. He is always around the ball. And they also have another linebacker, Drew Tranquil, who is probably a better athlete than Coney, doesn't quite have the same level of instincts. Tranquil is also 23 years old already. When he begins his rookie season in the NFL, he's going to be 24. He's torn his ACL twice in 2014 and 2015. He's stayed healthy since, but he's also an interesting guy. Tony, you obviously mentioned Coney and you obviously mentioned Tillery. What do you think of Kareem and Tranquil? Yeah, and there's some uh, there's some thought that Kareem could enter the draft. You want to see what his size is. A very good pass rusher. He's going to be about six foot three, two hundred sixty five pounds. How does that translate to the next level as far as a pass rushing defensive end? Tranquil, you know, you basically said it about Tranquil. He's a guy who pops more on film. He makes more of those highlight plays on film. He's a guy who's a little bit faster getting to the uh, flanks in pursuit. But sometimes you see a lot of hesitation in his game. You see him miss plays when he should make them. Got a little bit better in that aspect this year. But again, the better athlete than Coney. But Coney is a much better football player than his teammate. We don't want to leave out the offenses at all because there are players that are going to be drafted, maybe more on the day three side of things. But there are definitely guys on both teams that are going to make an impact at the NFL. Tavian Feaster for Clemson may not be the Tigers' best running back. That's Travis Etienne, who is not yet draft eligible. But he's an NFL player nonetheless. We have him higher than most do as a third-round prospect. DeAndre Overton, not the most productive guy at receiver, overshadowed by some of the other receiving talent at Clemson, but he's a midday three guy just based on his ability. One of those guys that has overshadowed him in his career is Hunter Renfro, an effective possession receiver who everyone knows his name because he has always shined in the big moments throughout his career. Plenty of people who may only watch the uh, national championship game or may only watch the playoff games for college football, they know who Hunter Renfro is. Hunter Renfro is. He's a household name, but he's not more than a day three prospect at the NFL level, but he does project as a guy who can help a team. Moving on to the Notre Dame offense, the one player you want to watch is Alizé Mack. His stats don't jump off the page. 34 receptions, 349 yards, and three touchdowns this season. But he was the top tight end in his high school recruiting class. He has great size and speed. Very good athlete. He was suspended for the 2016 season because of academic issues. Consistency has been an issue for him. He is a bit raw as a player, but the talent is there to be molded into you know a, a more effective ball of clay at the NFL level. Who catches your eye most on the offensive side of the ball here, Tony? 
Well, let's stay with Mac for a second. He's a guy who's more bark than bite. It comes into the season great as a top 40 pick by a bunch of scouts. Really just never improved his game. You never saw a, a point in time as you did with Coney, as you did with Jerry Tillery, who we spoke about before, where Mac basically just watched his game take off. There was a lot of inconsistency. There were games where he showed some production and then he disappeared for stretches. Right now, he's a better athlete than he is a football player. Another guy we need to talk about, a non-skilled player, would be Clemson left tackle Mitch Hyatt. In my opinion, one of the most underrated gems on the offensive line. He's not the prettiest athlete. He doesn't show the greatest footwork, but he's got excellent size at six foot five, three hundred and five pounds. He plays with great fundamentals. He makes great use of angles and body positioning to protect his quarterback. I mean, does Clemson even use a tight end, and how do they use him? The reason I say that is because Hyatt is usually by himself on an island in pass protection as well as as a run blocker. A guy who came into the season with a late seventh round grade from scouts. I right now have him as a fourth round prospect. This is going to be a big test for him against the pass rush of Notre Dame, their defensive end and on the blitz. And if we assume that Clemson beats Notre Dame next week against Alabama and their awesome pass rush is going to be an even bigger challenge for Hyatt. But you know what? Anytime the past three years that Hyatt has been challenged by uh, these guys, he's basically stepped up his game and is basically up for that challenge. Now we'll get to Saturday's other semifinal in just a moment. But first, please be sure to support the draft analyst by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any of the big podcast platforms. You can also find us at Believe.com. Leave a rating and a review. And if you ask a question in your review, we'll do our best to answer it on the show if there's time at the end. You can also tweet us questions at Chris Tripodi, at Tony Pauline, at Draft Analyst One, and at Believe Podcast to get in touch with the show as well. Now we'll move on to the Orange Bowl, and this is going to wrap up the final weekend of college football. Remember, there's the New Year's Eve games, the New Year's Day games, and then the championship is on Monday. So this will be the last Saturday game that we will see on the college football landscape this season. Obviously, we have 13-0 Alabama against 12-1 Oklahoma. And this game features the two quarterbacks who finished 1-2 in the Heisman voting this year. Kyler Murray of Oklahoma obviously won the award. Tua Tagovailoa finished second. Neither of them are really 2019 draft prospects for different reasons. Tua is not yet eligible. Kyler Murray is very likely to play baseball. As most people know, he was drafted ninth overall by the Oakland A's in the MLB draft. Took a signing bonus of nearly $5 million. After he won the Heisman Trophy, there were some questions. People were wondering whether he did want to play football, whether he was going to potentially pursue a career as an NFL player. Scott Boris, his agent, came out, kind of squashed those rumors a little bit recently with the quote, Kyler has every intention of fulfilling his agreement with the A's, and he's grateful he has had the opportunity or the chance to pursue his college goals. He will be in spring training with the A's. So while it's not 100%, we haven't heard anything directly from Kyler Murray, it seems very likely that he's going to go the baseball route. So both quarterbacks that we see in this game aren't likely to affect the 2019 draft, but we still have boatloads of first and second day talent here. Tony, which matchups are you most interested in? This is going to be a fun game. I mean, this is a game that could take five hours to complete. When you look at the high-powered offenses, this is one of those games that could end up Alabama 70, Oklahoma 48, or something like that. From a pro prospect point of view, Alabama rules the day here, especially on the defensive side of the board. But Oklahoma, they find ways to put up points. I mean, it was a close game last year with Baker Mayfield against Georgia, where Georgia finally won that game, I believe, was in overtime. So Oklahoma's going to compete. They're going to score a lot of points. It's just a matter of, I think Alabama's going to score more. Now, with that said, 
obviously you got to look at Alabama on the defensive line. There are two top players, starting with Quinton Williams, the defensive tackle, the third-year sophomore, who, if he enters the draft, and I'm told he will enter the draft, could be the first overall player selected. I mean, this guy has risen faster than any defensive player in the nation. Coming into the season, off the 2017 film, when he was more of a rotational lineman, I gave him a third-round grade. He now grades out as one of the top three players in the draft. He's someone who just seemingly improved every single week. A complete defensive lineman, a three-down player. Someone who was a one-man wrecking crew, was able to penetrate the line of scrimmage, Tackles for loss against ball carriers, sacks against the quarterback, someone who forced the action and basically made quarterbacks leave the pocket or forced running backs to reroute their angles of their runs. He's quick. He's explosive. He shows great power, outstanding movement skills. I mean, there was so much to like about Williams' game. I don't know that he's going to be a true nose tackle at the next level. It doesn't matter. Right? He's one of these guys where you can move him all around on the defensive line, and he's going to be very productive, and he's got great upside potential. And he really outshone Raekwon Davis, who was my favorite defensive lineman entering the season from Alabama. He's got better size at six foot six, over 300 pounds. He's not the playmaker of Quinton Williams, but he's a guy that next level evaluators love because of his ability to occupy the gaps, take up blockers, which allows his teammates to make plays on the ball. Also makes plays himself behind the line of scrimmage. More of a Deron Payne type of player, although I think he's slightly better than Deron Payne. And if you remember last year, Deron Payne was kind of downgraded because of the fact that people said he couldn't rush the passer, which I thought was a load of bull. And he's having a very good year for the Washington Redskins, despite the fact that the team is fading. Raekwon Davis, if he enters the draft, and I hear he's going to, I think he's a top 12 pick. And then there's Deontay Thompson. Really a a safety that came out of nowhere, a guy that was used as a situational player in 2017 because of the depth of talent in that Alabama secondary. He's come in and basically looks like he's been a starter all his career at Alabama. A first round prospect, a true free safety. He shows great range. He shows great ball skills. He's got nice length at over six foot tall. He's a guy who likes to mix it up against the run. Goes sideline to sideline in center field and very explosive up the field. And it just goes on and on for Alabama on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, we didn't even talk about Mac Wilson there. Another guy we have graded as a first round prospect. He's a little small, six foot, 230, but he's fast. He has the range and the instincts to really get out to the sideline. He's pretty good in coverage. He's got a great motor. So Mac Wilson is another guy to watch as a potential first round prospect. And then we also can look at the Oklahoma offensive line and a lot of guys that are really going to be attempting to slow down this Alabama defensive line. We have several draftable prospects from the Oklahoma offensive line. Tony, who's your favorite out of those guys? Well, my favorite is Drew Samaya, but I have him right now as a fourth-round selection. The highest-rated guy and a guy that's moving up draft boards almost as quickly as Quinton Williams is Cody Ford, the right tackle who I project to guard. The guy is massive. He's six foot three, over 340 pounds. He's someone who just engulfs defenders. He annihilates them at the point of attack. He moves very well for a 340-pounder. People told me back in October that they thought Ford was, and these are scouts, area scouts, he was going to be a top 45 selection. I have him right now graded as a uh, potential second, third round choice. I'm told he is going to enter the draft and expect him to go very early. So you got to watch their right tackle, Cody Ford. And you also have to watch their left tackle, Bobby Evans, who's been a very good starter the past couple of seasons. He's played both tackle and guard. Right now he lines up at left tackle for uh, Oklahoma. I project him to guard at the next level primarily because he's six foot three and a half, 315 pounds. Moves his feet very well. Shows a good degree of agility. A guy who 
has done a good job blocking the edge, although it's in the Big 12. Basically, none of the pass rushers he faced off against in the Big 12 are of the caliber that he's going to face this Saturday against Alabama. But Bobby Evans is a guy, another underclassman, Offensive lineman from Oklahoma, who I'm told is going to enter the draft, fits into that second-day uh, area. As I said, I like Drew Samaya, a guy who's very consistent. Not the athlete of Bobby Evans, but a guy who's fundamentally sound, excellent length at six foot four and a half, powerful at the point of attack, plays with a nasty attitude, keeps his head on a swivel. A lot to like about Samaya's game. Now, we'd be remiss if we left out some of the Alabama offensive linemen because several of them are going to be drafted as well. You got a day three guard in Ross Pierbacher. You have another one in Lester Cotton. You have a tackle in Matt Womack, who's also a guy that's going to be taken probably late on the third day, if not in the middle of that day. But the main guy on the Alabama offensive line that I want to discuss here is Jonah Williams. There are a lot of people who definitely project him to stay at tackle at the NFL level and to be a first-round pick. Tony, you have him as a second-rounder, and you have him as a guard. Now, I really am curious here why the difference between what you see from Jonah Williams and what a lot of other scouts see from Jonah Williams. Well, let's look back. Alabama has a history of putting offensive linemen in the league who don't live up to expectations, or the better way to say it is the system in Alabama basically exploits them and gets as much out of them as possible. You look at some of the guys that have come out of Alabama, some of the offensive linemen, Chance Warmack. a lot of these blockers never really lived up to expectations. When I see Jonah Williams play, I see a good college player who I don't project all that well to the next level. I don't think he has the height to play tackle in the NFL. I don't think he's got the footwork to play tackle in the NFL. I think he's a nice second-day guard. I know I've seen some people grade him as a top 10 selection. I just don't see that type of player in Jonah Williams. And when you look at the overall history of Alabama offensive linemen who've entered the league, most of them are tapped out by the time their college careers are over and they don't never really live up to expectations in the NFL. Now we'll move out of the trenches here because both teams also bring skill position talent to the table. We'll start with the Crimson Tide, a guy we've really discussed a lot on this podcast, and that's Irv Smith Jr., one of the top tight ends in the draft, if he declares, which is a greater than 50-50% chance as we've discussed recently. He's a big play tight end coming off a breakout season. Another big play machine on the Oklahoma side is Marquise Brown. He's very slight. He goes about 170 pounds, but he can really take the top off of a defense, and he has track star speed. Uh, He's been hyped as a first-rounder and a potential receiver one in this draft, surprisingly. He's a third-round guy on your board. Is that size your main concern with Marquise Brown, or do you have some other issues with his game as well? Well, the other issues would be that it's not a developed or, or disciplined route tree that they run at Oklahoma. You do have guys like Sterling Shepard, who plays for the New York Giants right now, that that has had some success out of that Oklahoma system. I don't like his size. I don't like his body of work. I think he's the type of guy that you're going to have to primarily line up in the slot to keep him off of press coverage. One of his greatest values will be his return skills. But even that, it's kind of feast or famine, I feel with Marquis Brown because of the size issue, because I've got him right now at five foot, 160 pounds. As you said, he's going to time fast. He plays fast, but guys that slide, even Tavon Austin. I mean, Tavon Austin, when he came out of West Virginia, really took a while before he was able to develop at the next level. And those size limitations just scare me. And that's understandable. Sterling Shepard, despite coming out of the Oklahoma system, when he came out, everyone said he was a good route runner. So that was something that was a positive on his film that you could see even working in that system. So when you don't have that complete route tree that Marquise Brown's going to run, that does definitely add kind of an aspect to his draft profile that teams might shy away from if they're not in the market for a guy who's going to stretch the field and, and clear things out for their other receivers. 
Now, before we wrap things up here, I do want to discuss the running backs in this game, or at least one of the running backs in this game, because one of them, despite being a good NFL prospect, isn't going to play. That's Rodney Anderson. He missed 2016 due to a neck injury. He missed this season, most of it after suffering a knee injury in week two. He was the top running back on many boards entering the season. But then you look on the Alabama side and you have Damian Harris, a guy we have graded as a first or second round prospect, kind of right on the borderline there. The first tackler rarely brings Harris down. He's got good footwork, good patience, good vision as a runner. He's a capable receiver. And it may surprise some to hear this, but he's never averaged more than 10 carries per game. So he's not a guy that's been beat up at the college level, like you talk about with a lot of Alabama players who enter the pros as damaged goods. Damian Harris might have four to 500 carries on his college resume. Rodney Anderson, on the other end, doesn't even have 250 carries on his college resume. So both of these guys are going into the NFL relatively fresh, which is rare for highly drafted running backs. Right now you have Harris higher, Tony. Do you prefer him as a back even without the injury concerns, or is that one of the main reasons that Anderson is uh, much lower on your board? No, I just like Harris better. He's a little bit stronger on the inside. Alabama runs more of a pro system, where at Oklahoma it's more of a wide-open system, which concerns me a little bit. The injuries to Rodney Anderson are going to be a red flag at the next level. As you said, Harris doesn't have a lot of carries under his belt, say like Bryce Love of Stanford does, which means that he doesn't have a lot of mileage, which is a good thing for the next level. He's also a decent pass catcher out of the backfield. I like Anderson. I had Anderson rated as a third rounder entering the season. Never really had him as a first rounder as I've had with Damian Harris throughout the course of the past two years. I think both are good backs, but I just think Harris is more the complete ball carrier. And that's it for the 16th episode of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to send us questions to answer on the show. As always, head on over to draftanalyst.com for everything related to the 2019 NFL Draft, as we'll continue to close out bowl season with more prospect rankings for the New Year's Eve and New Year's Day games, in addition to the national championship as well. Speaking of those New Year's games, we'll have more shows coming to break those down for you as well in the coming days, so keep an eye out for those. But for now, on behalf of Tony Pauline, this is Chris Tripodi, and we'll talk to you soon.